You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about several articles that Chuck has written about what appears to seem to be a definite policy in place by the Israeli government. Of course, they are denying it about their policy as Chuck sees it and others. We want to talk about this to shoot to cripple and maim, and we'll reference the articles about it. And there has been some other things, some incidents happening here recently. Of course, this right of return march started March of last year in Gaza has resulted in about 250 deaths and over 6,000 wounding. And what we've seen more recently is fewer deaths. And so the upshot of Chuck's article is that there is a policy to maim these protesters. And in many cases, they're not even protesters. They press people have been killed, medics. The young Palestinian medic was killed uh, trying to uh, help. And so it is a uh, situation that the Israelis are doing everything in their power to discredit anybody that talks about it. But an interesting article I found written in August of 2016, August 27th, in the Israeli paper Haaretz by Amira Haas is entitled, Is the IDF Conducting a Kneecapping Campaign in the West Bank? And uh, just a few things here. The thing that really popped out, they're talking about a where some of these instances happened in a refugee camp that I happened to visit, which is it's south of Bethlehem, and it's pronounced Dehish. I'm not sure that's quite right, but it's the largest refugee camp in the Bethlehem area. There are 15,000 people crammed into one square kilometer. Now, they've been there since after 1948 when you had all these refugees coming in. They were originally in tents, and then the UN came in and built concrete uh, structures, and these have been added over the years. And so it's a hodgepodge mess, actually, there. It's just quite remarkable, actually. And I remember asking our guide there how often the uh, Israeli Defense Force would come in to their refugee camp. And he said about every two to three nights, they would conduct these raids to pick up a youth accused of throwing stones. And in some cases, through this process known as administrative detention. They don't even have to have a charge, but they typically come after midnight to sometime early in the morning. It, of course, disrupts the sleep of the family. And and so this is a commonplace thing. 
And in this article, here's a couple of quotes here. Quote, three recent Israel Defense Force raids in less than two weeks on the camp south of Bethlehem ended with a handful of arrests, but 15 people were seriously injured after suffering gunshot wounds. This large number of Palestinians being shot around the knees by soldiers, probably leaving them disabled for life, reminded everyone of many others who had been injured in a similar way in earlier raids. Quote, on the news, you hear there were no fatalities, only wounded people. So everyone relaxes without realizing the suffering we're going through, says in whoever this Palestinian was who's 23 years old, in a conversation with Haaretz. He says he was hit in the leg by live fire two years ago while rescuing another injured person and carrying him to safety. 15 and 16-year-olds, along with men in their 20s, limp on crutches along the camp's steep alleyways. They were wounded during the past year or before that. Each has undergone lengthy surgical procedures with more to come. And it goes on. It also turns out in the village of Tekoa, further east of Dehesh, near Bethlehem, nearly 20 other young men were also hit in the legs, all within the space of a few months. And then uh, finally, in Hebron and Dehesh, they set up communities to take care of the wounded. In many places, there's a growing realization that the army is intensifying its use of live fire in confrontations with unarmed stone throwers and that the wounds inflicted are deliberately more severe. There must be more than 100 people across the West Bank, including many minors who have been crippled by the IDF over the last year, but that there is still no exchange of information or correlation of data to confirm the seeming trend and of course we see that that was in 2016 and of course it was escalated in 2018 with the right of return protests in gaza and the situation is being ignored as pointed out in the article there that because they're not killing people it looks like everything is kind of calmed down but as Chuck points out in his article, maybe I'll talk a little bit uh, about what you saw on PBS. There seems to be more reporting of these kinds of activities, even in the mainstream media. Chuck? PBS had a video of a Gaza hospital, which I think was El Sheep Hospital, but I didn't catch it from the dialogue in the video. It was on the... Um, 536 News by BBC on Channel 6, which is a Colorado PBS station. And it very clearly showed fresh wounds of all kinds of people lying around in hospital beds, very clean-looking facilities, but with large, crude metal steel splints and spikes in their legs and all the things they do to try to straighten out these radical wounds they get. And the interesting thing was the doctors interviewed in the program outright stated that practically everybody who was being brought in was shot in the legs, usually below the knee. So what you have is a very close range shooting. 
where uh, these Israeli marksmen are lying on a, on a flat surface like a, a mound of dirt, looking over it with a scoped rifle, and they can, if they're any good, they can shoot each shot within an inch or two of where they want it at 100 or 150 yards, which is what they're shooting. And I was a professional shooter for one year in the United States military, traveling around shooting a, an open scope rifle from 500 to 1,000 yards. And uh, if we would have had scope rifles, we would have thought it was duck soup. But what I'm pointing out is these military people can hit exactly what they're aiming at at those close ranges. And so what they're doing is they're deliberately kneecapping these guys, and now they've apparently stopped kneecapping, and they're dropping it down, shooting them in the foot or the leg or ankle. And it creates terrible wounds, broken bones, and uh, long, long periods of recovery if they recover at all. So this was pointed out in this PBS broadcast, which is called the News Hour, and is put on by BBC, British Broadcasting Company. And the curious thing was the newscast on the 17th of January disappeared on the 18th. And I can also cannot find that newscast anymore on BBC. So it looks like they were did too, a little too good a job of it and were pressured into yanking their story after they actually published it. Fortunately, we have plenty of other accounts of this leg shooting and knee shooting. And I think that it is something that is going to get the attention of moms and dads for a change. I think that these pictures of 19-year-olds with their legs shot off is going to have an impact. And it's something pretty obvious when we have all these other sources, such as these Jewish sources, and even Israeli sources talking about kneecapping. Yes, Chuck. And what's interesting that I found, we I searched the internet to see if we could find this BBC report. What I was able to find was a BBC Hindi. Now, Hindi is the official language of India. And uh, the title in the YouTube uh, location is Hospitals of Gaza are in distress because of Israel. And uh, you can, even though I don't speak Hindi, you get the, the drift. They're in a hospital. You can see they're overloaded. And we have another account from Turkish TRT about a journalist had the press vest on. He wasn't even near where the protesters were. And he had a shot that went through both legs. And thanks for posting that Hindi edition because I had not seen that, but there definitely was an American edition of this. And this is very encouraging to us when major news networks like that are starting to be pressured or starting to be in a position where they have to, somebody's asking them to withhold these scenes. There are scenes in this Hindi link, which you have on our story tone, that are the same as the scenes that were in the original BBC film. So obviously they must not care about India, but of course they aren't the problem. The United States is the problem because as we've talked about, we finance Israel to the tune of over $10 million a day for their military, close to $4 billion a year. Those exploding bullets. Yes, and that's the other question that, that Chuck has brought up. There's some indication, they used to call them hollow points, 
but they're probably something uh, even worse than a hollow point that explode on contact. So like this press guy that got both his, it looked like just above his ankles, that went through one, and when they hit bone, they, uh, these, these shells kind of explode, if you will, and uh, cause all kinds of damage. And, and of course, this is really straining the hospitals in Gaza, the ones that are remaining. And uh, it's just another form of collective punishment that the uh, Israelis are doing. And so we see every time this kind of thing leaks out that people are becoming more and more aware of, of what the Israelis are doing. And so we just posted another story as a, as a side entitled Malaysian Boycott Results in Israeli name-calling. It turns out that the Malaysians, and you can look at the story, aren't letting Israeli athletes come into the country because of their policies against the Palestinians. They've been supporters of Palestine. It is, Malaysia is predominantly about 60% a Muslim country, but their foreign minister has said that it's not only religious aspects of this, it's more of the human rights and about justice for the Palestinians. And so we're seeing this from around the world. It looks like the Americans, the U.S. government will be the last ones to discover what's actually going on there. Well, what we're talking about here is just the excessive use of force for the, quote, crime that's being committed. I'd like to pull a couple of scriptures out of the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Lamech says to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's 77-fold. And he's, he's bragging about excessive force. A guy insults him, and so he kills him. And that's exactly what we see with the, with the IDF. It's this total uh, asymmetrical uh, warfare, if you will, that the punishment does not fit the crime. And that, that was so bad in, in Moses in Leviticus, in chapter 24, says this, If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury has given a person shall be given to him. And what that did is it got the punishment to match the crime. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's not, you know, knock somebody's tooth out and you kill them. No, 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 that's, that's not the way it is. So it, it brought it back into a more of a level field. And, of course, the IDF doesn't follow that at all. And as Christians, we don't expect people that don't follow Christ to follow Jesus' teaching. But in uh, Matthew 43 and 45, Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. So obviously, as Christians, we would love to see nonviolence be the story that's told over there. And it's so sad that some of the Gazans end up provoking the IDF. And the majority are nonviolent. 
but all it takes is a couple violent acts for the IDF to justify their wholesale slaughter. So basically what we're dealing with here is that there's no justice in Israel when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Israel is run by terrorists. Their government runs that way. There's no justice. And until I think there's a Martin Luther King that can rise up in Gaza for the Palestinians to say, you know, quell, quell all the violence, because as long as there's just a hint of violence on the Palestinian side, the, the whole hammer will come down on them from the Israeli. And you, you mentioned earlier, Tom, was like, well, the, the Palestinians live in such squalor compared to the Israelis. And, um, and so obviously it shows that the Palestinians just aren't thrifty. They aren't energetic. They, they have all these things wrong. And I, my, my counter to that is if you give me uh, $10 million a day by the U.S. taxpayers, I could live pretty well, too. So to discount the, the conditions the Palestinians live in because of their own fault, I think is, is such a fallacious argument. The whole idea here is asymmetrical force. And until somebody can speak to that on the Palestinian side, I, I don't see how Israel will just, they won't stop. They'll just keep on going until this is the slow genocide takes place. Yeah, thank you for that, Craig. We mentioned about the situation with the uh, Palestinians uh, being shabby. Well, that was that issue was actually addressed. I had the fortune to hear the Israeli Nico Peled speak this past Saturday here in Phoenix, and it was quite amazing. His father was a general, and the he did planning and uh, in the 1967 Six Day War. And at the end of the war, his father uh, said that they really needed to give the land back to the Palestinians because they would never have peace otherwise. And so that actually proved to be quite prophetic. But one of the things he talked about was this disparity between the, the Israelis and the Palestinians. And he was talking even in Israel where 20% of the population is Arab or Palestinian. They are citizens, but there's over 60 laws that discriminate against them. And in the West Bank, according to Nico, 98% of the water is controlled by the Israelis. And so a Palestinian village next to an illegal, under international law, Israeli settlement will be dusty, dirty, and the settlement will have grass, it'll have swimming pools, because they got all the water. And so they control the Palestinians. Either they have to collect water, you'll see black tanks on the top of Palestinian homes. That's kind of an easy way to spot. And if they don't have tanks on them, then they're Israeli-type uh, homes. Uh, in these settlements. Of course, you can see the settlements. They stick out like sore thumbs. They're always on uh, the highest locations around. And so, yeah, it's a case where we have been conditioned by our government, the Israeli lobby and so forth, to accept all these things as gospel truth that the Israelis somehow are the victims. And uh, we've got it absolutely uh, the wrong way. But fortunately, things are getting exposed. And even so much, we talked about this in the past, when Chuck Carlson went into Gaza in 2002, he walked in, 
He was the only guy going in. He videotaped a rocket attack, which you can see in our award-winning film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning. Four Palestinians were killed and 40 were wounded. And you didn't hear reports in the U.S. about it. The only way people knew about it is when he came back and actually told them about what happened there, what he actually had witnessed and filmed. And so we have some encouragement that some of this type of thing is coming out to the forefront and people are becoming more aware. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.